0: salutations out there, sports fans, all across the wide and wonderful internet. It is another great and glorious edition of the Modern Day Gladiators podcast here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday out there. And everybody, of course, relaxed and ready to go as, of course, we move into the rest of the holiday season. Of course, sports did not take a day off. They did not take Thanksgiving off. We've got plenty of awesome stuff to talk about. College football, the NFL, college basketball. Tiger and Phil had a match that should have happened 15 years ago for people to really care about it. So much to talk about. Another Thanksgiving pro wrestling tradition is back in the mix in the WWE. We'll talk about all of that here coming up, but first of course, you are listening to the Modern Day Gladiators podcast again on the Stage Diver Radio Network. You can check out this and all the other great podcasts you listen to at stagediverradio.com and that includes the boys from Halfle, J&B's DLC, Deadbeat Radio, One faller 60 Minutes, People in My Neighborhood, and so much more. Check them all out there. There's a nice media player that you can listen to everything while you browse the internet and check out all of that awesome stuff and of course you can also download us on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher tune in listen to us there and of course like subscribe share Give us those five-star reviews. That's what's really important. Those reviews, those comments, we would appreciate anything that you can give us there as we put everything out into the algorithm. That's how they read everything. So the more you guys like us and the comments you give us, we want to hear from you and make this the best possible podcast it can be. And of course, you can also interact with us at stagediverradio at gmail.com, or you can call the hotline at 865-888-0109, where you can leave comments, questions, you want to feedback with me, I want to hear about it. So let's go, let's have a conversation, I'll read your questions and comments on the air if you would like for the next edition of the podcast, so please bring all that stuff in. And again, you can follow me, Michael Shibley, on Twitter and Instagram at Michael underscore Shibley. Also, you can give the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page a like. You can just search us there on Facebook. It should pop right up. You'll see my dumb face sitting there looking at you with a golf ball in my mouth. And uh, on the Facebook page, we just post more stuff and more interaction with everybody, and of course I post live videos of all the crazy breaking news and Tennessee recaps and things like that when it happens, so all of that stuff. Again, like, subscribe, share, hit us up wherever you can, it sure helps us out. But anyway, let's dive in to everything going on in the world of sports. Of course, we start as we always have here Uh, during the football season. We'll start with college football as there has been a shakeup in the college football playoff rankings as they will come out. We'll see what happens as we record this. It has not come out yet, but you've got to be certain that something's going to happen because Ohio State came out and blasted Michigan. That Michigan number 1 defense, they gave up 62 points. People are wondering, where has this been with Ohio State? all season long, especially since that loss to Purdue. They were questioning Urban Meyer. They are questioning a lot of stuff. I mean, I question Urban Meyer for a lot of dumb and terrible and stupid and wrong things that he's done, especially this season. But, I mean, that game, you would think that would be a good back-and-forth game. I thought Michigan was going to get the win overall. But, man, that was just a heck of a beatdown that Ohio State put on Michigan. And I, at this point, really, with Jim Harbaugh... How hot is his seat because again we mentioned this last week on the podcast this is what you brought Jim Harbaugh in to do beat Ohio State beat Urban Meyer that's what you're paying him all this money and all the outrageous claims he makes and all these trips they make to Europe and all the things the the stuff you've done with the upgrading of facilities that's why you bring him in again i Michigan is in a better place than Tennessee is, and of course, we'll talk about the Tennessee Vols losing to Vanderbilt later on, but really, you brought him in to do this, and he hasn't done it, and this was his best opportunity. Ohio State is not as good as they've been in pe- years past, and Michigan is on the rise, and they did not get the job done losing in spectacular fashion, so we'll have to see what happens this at the end of this season and into next season with what Michigan is going to do with Jim Harbaugh, but as of right now, here is my college football playoff rankings as they go. Of course, number one, Alabama took care of Auburn, took care of the Iron Bowl like they should. They've got that matchup with Georgia coming up in the SEC championship game. Clemson taking care of business in their rivalry game against South Carolina. And of course, they face Pittsburgh in the ACC title game. Notre Dame taking care of USC in the battle for the jeweled shillelagh, that Irish War Club trophy that I really find cool. It's just a really awesome looking trophy. You should check it out. It's got emeralds and rubies in there for the team that wins and all that. Anyway, Notre Dame, I believe is in the playoff at this point. I think they're settled in pretty much to the number three spot unless something weird happens in the championship games. Notre Dame is in, so congratulations to Brian Kelly and the Fighting Irish. Of course, they have the Just This this year it is a blessing that they don't have a conference championship game to play in. Some years that's probably a curse. You can ask Baylor and TCU about that one, but it's a good thing for Notre Dame this season. Right now at the number four position, I've got the Georgia Bulldogs. I think they've earned it at this point, and of course they will get a chance to cement that as they have the SEC championship game coming up against Alabama. In that outside looking in spot, I've got Oklahoma. Then I've got Ohio State at number six. And behind then, I've got Central Florida and then Michigan. So we'll see how all this plays out. Right now, I think if you look at it from at least my perspective, and we'll see officially when the rankings come out, but this is what I'm very sure they are going to be. Ohio State has a chance to get in if Oklahoma loses to Texas, and this is, of course is the general thinking that Alabama is going to beat Georgia, because honestly I think if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, Georgia definitely in an Alabama is also still in, which is the worst-case scenario for a lot of these other conferences. I also think it's the best-case scenario overall, and this is not being an SEC homer, because trust me, I am far from an SEC homer. I do not chant SEC. I want Alabama to lose all the time. So Tennessee fans and Auburn fans and all these other fans who root for Alabama or root for Florida— even though you hate them, but they're part of the SEC, it's stupid. We will argue about that till the cows come home, but trust me, it's stupid. That's my opinion about it. Anyway. I do think best case scenario to get an 18 playoff is if Georgia beats Alabama and then you get Clemson taking care of business against Pitt, and then you have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia. So then you have two SEC teams, an ACC team, and an independent. That means the other conferences, all the other big conferences are all left out in the cold, which I think would make a lot of them start to move toward maybe getting an eight team playoff, which I still think is the best solution to all of this, honestly. I've wanted an eight team playoff for a while. I think it would work because then you get the five conference champions, no matter what the conference champion is in, and then you have three wild card teams where you get, say, like, say Clemson loses to Pitt in the ACC championship game, Clemson will still get a wild card berth because they're still one of the top best teams in the country, so they would deserve to get in, but then it also gives you room for getting a team like Central Florida into the mix and then have the first-round matchups be played at campus sites and then get the bowls involved in it once you get to the semifinals and then the championship game. I think that would make the most sense. The only way that's going to start moving this argument toward an eight-team playoff is, again, if Georgia beats Alabama and Clemson takes care of business there. But if Alabama does beat Georgia... If Oklahoma beats Texas in their rematch uh, for the Big 12 championship, I do think Oklahoma gets in over Ohio State because Oklahoma State's loss is a field goal against Texas, who's a ranked team in a neutral site, whereas Ohio State lost huge at Purdue, a team that just got bowl eligible this past week, so you've got to weigh that in. I unfortunately don't think Central Florida is going to be able to get in, even if they do win their conference championship just because of what's happened. Unless something strange happens and say Alabama beats Georgia by 50 and then Oklahoma and Ohio State both lose their championship games, That would be, I think, the only way UCF gets in if they beat Memphis. But the fact that they don't have Mackenzie Milton in there, and again, he was their all-star, all-American quarterback, a great winner, a great leader on that team, but he had a horrific knee injury that happened in that game against South Florida this past week. Do not watch that if you are squeamish. That was nasty. That was Lawrence Taylor sacking Joe Theismann-style nasty leg injury there so that's what I think is going to happen of course we do have all these championship games playing and Ohio State does have the advantage of Oklahoma is playing at noon against Texas in the big 12 championship game so Ohio State will then know what happens if If Oklahoma loses, Ohio State knows that they have a chance to get in. They will play, of course, the 19th-ranked Northwestern Wildcats in the Big Ten Championship game. That game's happening at 8 o'clock. Alabama and Georgia, they're playing at 4. And again, that will also give Ohio State the chance. Since they play so late, that gives them a chance to see what they've got to do to get into the playoff. And then Clemson and Pitt play at 8 o'clock. So you talk about these big championship games. I've got Ohio State beating Northwestern. I do have Oklahoma beating Texas, I've got Alabama beating Georgia, and I've got Clemson taking care of Pitts. So it looks like the status quo is going to kind of stay what everybody's thinking. That's what I feel. I don't see any crazy chaos happening at least at this point. We'll see as the week goes along. But it is championship week, so let's run through also the other conference championship games happening this weekend. On Friday, you've got the MAC championship, Northern Illinois versus Buffalo. I'm going to go with Buffalo. They've had a really solid and strong season for a mid-major. I'm going to go with Buffalo getting the conference championship there. The Pac-12 championship, Utah taking on Washington. is Washington State, I really wish Washington State would have gotten in there. Just, again, what Mike Leach has done there at Washington State would have been great, but Washington went out and beat their rival in their place and won, and they're going to face a Utah team that they beat 21-7 earlier this season without their starting quarterback, even though Utah has been playing great. They came back in a big way against BYU and a comeback win there in that rivalry game, but I'm still going to go with Washington getting the win over Utah in the Pac-12 championship. In the Sun Belt, you've got Louisiana versus App State. They played earlier this year. Appalachian State won 27-17. The game is in Boone, North Carolina, so I'm going to go with Appalachian State. In that one. Conference USA, UAB, again, we've talked about this. Two years ago, their p- program didn't exist. They brought it back. They made it all the way to the conference championship game. They're playing MTSU. These teams played each other last week. MTSU beat them. I don't see any difference, unfortunately. I've got Middle Tennessee State University getting the win and winning Conference USA. The American Athletic Conference, Memphis versus Central Florida. Memphis doing a great job of beating Houston last week to get into this game. And Memphis hung with UCF earlier this season in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, UCF got the win, but just by one, 31-30. I still think UCF believes they have a lot to play for, and I still like their team overall. In this game, even though, yes, they don't have Mackenzie Milton, but I still like Central Florida and the Golden Knights to get the win there. Also, in the Mountain West, we'll finish this up with Fresno State versus Boise State. They met earlier in the season, and Boise State got the win 24-17. to It's on the Smurf turf, and again, I just feel like these home teams, especially because it seems like all these home teams who won the earlier matchups are all now playing at home again for these conference championship games. I've got to go with Boise on the Smurf turf and getting the win there. So those are my picks. I don't think anything's going to change, but tune in, of course, to the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page where I will make my official picks as the week progresses. Also, look at the rest of things happening in college football. You talk about the game of the day, all these other crazy rivalry games that happened, which were Phenomenal games going back and forth. You had fights breaking out with Louisville and and Kentucky and Florida, Florida State and North Carolina, NC State. Which I always love when football players fight and they throw punches and they wear helmets. I find that hilarious every time I see it, and it, I, I will not not find that funny. I find it hilarious because you're going to do more damage with your hand than you will to the guy's head while he's wearing a helmet. But the game of the day. It was kind of a new rivalry as Texas A&M and LSU went to overtime seven times. They went to seven overtimes, tying the NCAA record for most overtimes and then also setting the FBS record for most points in a game as Texas A&M won 74-72. to Just points and points galore. That game just went on and on and on. I still remember the first of these seven overtime games. I believe it was Ole Miss in Arkansas. I watched that one from my dorm room, and that was amazing to watch. And then I remember sitting through the six overtime game that the Tennessee Vols had when they played Arkansas. That one was nuts. It wasn't as high scoring because you had, I remember, one of the overtime periods was Tennessee had a turnover, and then Arkansas missed a field goal. So there was no point scored in that one. This one just seemed to have touchdown after touchdown getting scored. It was amazing and just crazy, and it was it was amazing how Texas A&M got into it anyway because LSU got a turnover and all this. They had already given Ed Orgeron, their coach, the Gatorade bath, and then they reviewed it and found out that the Texas A&M quarterback, uh, Mond, had his knee down. Uh, when he went to pick up a fumbled ball so the play was dead and then they scored at the just absolute last second to force overtime and then going back and forth and back and forth and Texas A&M getting the two-point conversion in the seventh overtime uh, to just it was just a crazy game and one you'll just you won't see again but that was a great fight hats off to both schools for just incredible fighting spirit in that game but Texas A&M getting the win And finally beating LSU. I don't think they had ever beaten LSU so far in their tenure in the SEC or in bowl games or other games before then. So hats off to them for getting that win. Also, of course, the coaching carousel has started now in college football. Cliff Kingsbury has been fired at Texas Tech. Uh, He, of course was a quarterback there at Texas Tech under Mike Leach, and then, of course, he coached the new big quarterback in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, but, again, he's had a few losing seasons in a row, and they're looking to make a change there. Larry Fedora has been fired by North Carolina after two straight nine loss seasons, and then him going out and saying there was no fight at the end of the North Carolina NC State game, where uh, video evidence and records of people, pretty much everybody else believes there was a fight there. Larry, shut up. This is why you're fired. You've lost nine straight games. Go away at this point. Uh, but it looks kind of interesting to see what North Carolina has done because sources have confirmed it looks like a former Texas coach and also former UNC coach Mack Brown is coming back to coach at North Carolina. He was the coach there for the Tar Heels from 1988 to 97, and then he, of course, moved on to Texas where he won the 2005 National Championship with Vince Young got into the title game again with Colt McCoy where they lost to Alabama, and then of course he was let go. Uh, he hasn't coached since 2013. He's 67 years old. It looks like, again, you look with Kansas with Les Miles and you look with uh, Mac Brown. Of course, Les Miles didn't coach at Kansas, but they're bringing some of these old guys back out of retirement kind of hoping they're pulling what Herm Edwards did with Arizona State, getting them to a bowl game, even though Arizona State went to a bowl game last season. They had the exact same record, but trying this way, or even Bill Snyder when he came back to Kansas State after three years of being gone. Of course, Bill Snyder's kind of fallen off the last couple of years, and they're also hoping uh, it's not a rebirth of what Bobby Petrino did with his second act with Louisville, as Louisville has just fallen off a cliff. They've been terrible, and then, of course, what Randy Edsel did at UConn and speaking of UConn wow UConn they lost to Temple 57-7 which has just been the norm for UConn this season UConn went 1-11 did not beat an FBS opponent this season but with this loss to Temple UConn cemented their place as the worst defense ever in NCAA history they gave up 7,409 yards, that's 617.4 yards per game. 605 points, that's 50.41 points per game. So that just cements them as the worst defensive team in the history of the NCAA. So that is an infamous thing that I just do not want to happen. And it has not been a good second act so far for Randy Etzel at UConn. Talking also of some other. Uh, coach is glad that the season is over. Florida State losing to Florida 41-14 to in the Sunshine Showdown. No bowl game for the Seminoles for the first time since 1981. That's how long that streak has been going. And also the first time that the Florida State Seminoles have had a losing record since 1976, which was Bobby Bowden's first year as head coach at Florida State. So they are really glad that those seasons have ended at those places. You just just limp to the finish line. And speaking of limping to the finish line, my Tennessee Vols also doing that as they lost to Vanderbilt 38-13 to uh, for their seventh loss of the season. Vanderbilt going bowling. Tennessee is not. Tennessee, this is their sixth loss Tennessee's had this season by 25 or more points. A lot of question about some of the players just quitting on the t- field and everything, just just a mess really to end the season when really you look at some of the things coach Pruitt did. You see, we did have two top 25 wins. We had a better season really than we did last season. We won two games in the sec. They were both top 25 wins at the time. Auburn of course will not be ranked at the end of this season, but you look at it. They did better. I thought overall, I mean, Tennessee last season, they had eight losses uh, so they did improve by one win. But you look at some of the things that happened, again, it starts with line play. I've talked about this all season long. The offensive line, and of course, losing losing uh, Trey Smith hurt immensely, not having him there, and also just having injuries and different things happening on that old line, but the fact that the line just needs to be reworked both lines and then of course the defensive line which was okay not great but so many seniors on that defensive line are leaving so you've got if you're going to be competitive fully in this league you got to get good line play and that offensive line is not going to fix itself in just one year it's going to take time Pruitt's going to have to recruit I don't have any real problem and worry about him recruiting and getting defense I think the defense will be okay overall he'll get the defense to where it is solid and competitive and keeps us in games but that offense you're going to get that offensive line you're going to I don't know if you need to go Juco route you got to get guys who are in and ready to play immediately because it's going to be a long uphill climb to get the offense back to where it needs to be and it looks like some of that change is going to come because Tennessee is looking for a new offensive coordinator because Tyson Helton Uh, has now left the program. He is now going to become the new head coach at Western Kentucky, where he had been previously as an assistant coach. People were thinking he was going to be gone anyway. Again, I thought he did okay, not great. One of the things I think that frustrated me, especially in this last game, you look at the big touchdown we had. We had Tyson Chandler, the first play. Of the second half was Tyson Chandler on a 75-yard touchdown run to get this within 10. And then Tennessee gets fortunate as Vanderbilt doinks a 20-yard field goal there. And Tennessee's only down 10. And then Tyson Chandler doesn't touch the ball after that. There's two whole possessions that go as Tennessee just waddles in offensive mediocrity and terribleness. And Tyson Chandler, one of your best playmakers, doesn't touch the ball after a 75-yard touchdown run. That... I know you need to get it to Callaway and Jennings and Palmer and all these guys, but you still got a great playmaker in Chandler. You need to get him the ball. Get him out in space. Let him run. He's the fastest player you've got. Get him out there. And that's one of the reasons why Tennessee, again, played poorly, and now we've lost to Vanderbilt three times in a row. That hasn't happened since the Calvin Coolidge administration when he was president of the United States back in 1926. That was also General Nealon's first season as Tennessee head coach, so it's been a while. And again, Vanderbilt has won five out of the last seven. So when you look at it, again, really when you look at the overall grade of Tennessee's season in his first year under Pruitt, I give him a C-. minus. You know, they did improve, I think, over just the disastrous season that Butch Jones and where Butch Jones left this program. By the way, uh, Coach Shoup is one of the assistant uh, coach—he's in the running for assistant coach of the year because his Mississippi State team gave up 12 touchdowns, which was far less than any other defense in the country. So you see, he was a pretty good defensive coordinator and just could not, I guess, get along with Butch Jones or something there. That was just odd. So, you look at that, but again, we did beat Auburn and Kentucky, so you look at wins like that, and those should be celebrated, but again, just the way we lost and just gave up all these points to Missouri and Vanderbilt to end the season, you just, you remember the wins, but those losses can leave scars, and it takes a while just to remember that. But again, I give Pruitt a C-. minus. You look at 2019-. I think the season, really, when you just look at it, again, way too early to make any type of reasonable prognostication about this, but you look at it, West Virginia, we're not going to play that as a non-conference opponent. We've got BYU, who, again, did better this past season than they did the year before, but I still think that is definitely a winnable game for Tennessee. Auburn comes off the schedule, and it's Mississippi State instead. In non-conference, or I'm sorry, in uh, Western Division, where they're going to re- be replacing a lot of people on that team. Meanwhile, you've also got uh, Drew Locke is gone at Missouri. Kentucky still, I don't know, Snell's going to be gone there as well. So you've got some turnover. So I do think definitely getting to a bowl game is of just a much better possibility. Uh, going into next season, as we look ahead, there. But again, you got to fix this offensive line. You've got to get the defense back to being solid, and work, and just keeping the t- the the team in the game until the offense can figure things out. Get an offensive coordinator that uses smoke and mirrors or something can coach these guys up. Hugh Freeze is available. I know that could be a very controversial hire, but I think it would be one that could work for what Tennessee is looking to do at this point but that's going to wrap up this first block of the modern day gladiators podcast thank you guys again for listening we're going to take a quick break but we'll be back with shibbles and bits and pro wrestling talk on the other side you are listening again to the modern day gladiators podcast on the stage diver radio network (laughs) Welcome back, everybody, to another, again, glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators. Thank you, guys, as always, for hanging out with us wherever you listen to this podcast. And, of course, like, subscribe, share. I'm going to keep pimping that out. Please help us get us into that algorithm. The more likes and everything you get, it gets us into those algorithms and helps us with just making this a better and just the best podcast we possibly can make it but again it is time now to hit up shibbles and bit some of the other things going on in the world of sports and sticking with what we just talked about with Tennessee football let's go transition real quick to Tennessee basketball the basketball team had a had an okay time up in Brooklyn in the uh, NIT season tip-off they did defeat Louisville 92 to 81 But then they lost to number two, Kansas, 87-81 in overtime. Tennessee was just going toe-to-toe with Kansas. I think showed that they do belong in that top five, top ten ranking with Kansas. But they really, I thought, had a chance to beat Kansas for a lot of this game. I thought just relying on their experience and just teamwork together, I thought they could overcome a lot of things, but it showed Kansas just was able to wear Tennessee down, especially in overtime. It didn't help that uh, Greg Williams fouled out with a minute 24 left in the game. That was very disheartening, of course, as Tennessee, again, was about, as Rick Barnes said, about a rebound or two short from winning that game and beating Kansas and being still a top five team. Tennessee did fall to number six in the latest rankings, but again, still a very good team And, of course, Williams was rewarded as he was the SEC co-player of the week, averaging 21 points, 8.5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 blocks during the pair of games they had up in Brooklyn. So credit Tennessee for playing hard, getting the win over Louisville, and falling just short of Kansas, but showing that they are still a very solid team and a dangerous team hopefully come tournament time as, of course, we make the long trek toward March. Up next for the Tennessee basketball team, Eastern Kentucky on Wednesday and Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, on Sunday. Those games both in Thompson Bowling Arena and they will be on the SEC network this week. So check those out. And then to see, they take a break for finals and everything. And then up next is going to be Gonzaga, which just knocked off Duke in Maui. So another big test for the Vols, let's see what happens with that one. Congratulations to the Lady Vols basketball team as they defeated Clemson and University of Alabama-Birmingham in the Bahamas to win the Junkanoo Jam there, though Lady Vols did kind of struggle with two teams they should have beaten a lot more handily. Clemson, they did finally pull away in the fourth quarter, 78-66, to 66, but the University of Alabama at Birmingham, they only beat 73-69, to 69, and it took OT to do it. So Holly Warlick and her ladies need to kind of get back in the groove of things as they continue this non-conference slate before SEC uh, games start as the year turns over into 2019. Also, Tennessee soccer, they made the longest run they ever have in the NCAA tournament, though they do foul in the Elite Eight to number one Stanford, two games to nothing. But again, hats off to the Tennessee soccer team. Those ladies fought hard. They made a great run. They went farther than they ever had before. And again, falling to the number one team is nothing to hang your head about the The Tennessee Lady Vol soccer team, great season, and again, I hope that momentum continues into next season for the soccer team. The volleyball team, they are still continuing their great season as they have extended their winning streak to wrap up the regular season to 11 games. They defeated Florida three to nothing, and they defeated Ole Miss three to one to again 11 games in a row to finish second in the southeastern conference the winner of the conference was kentucky they went undefeated in conference play so hats off to kentucky there but this does get the lady vols volleyball team into the ncaa tournament for the first time since 2012 so it's been a few years since they've been there they will face colorado state on friday at seven o'clock and that will be up in pullman washington as the uh The 16 seed Washington Cougars are the ones hosting this block of four for the NCAA tournament and the Washington uh, State Cougars. They are playing the Northern Arizona team. Uh, They play and then the winner of Tennessee, Colorado State will play the winner of Northern Arizona and Washington State. Uh, And that matchup will take place, I guess the round of 32 will happen Saturday at 9 o'clock. So stay tuned to that one if you can catch it. Cheer on the Lady Vols if you're somewhere in that Washington State area. uh, Travel over there to Pullman and see if you can cheer on the Lady Vols volleyball team as they are back in the NCAA tournament. Moving to the NFL. Been again a great uh, just week and a weekend of games. Of course, you had all the fun NFL games on Thanksgiving. Always a big tradition in a lot of families to watch those Thanksgiving Day games. Even if you're not a fan of the Lions or the Cowboys, they always play on Thanksgiving. So congratulations to them, of course. Uh, Just not congratulations. What am I even saying? The the Cowboys won, sure, but I can't stand the Cowboys. And the Lions lost. So no congratulations to either one of those teams. My power rankings uh, as we wrap up, Week 12 in the NFL. I've still got the Saints, number one, the Rams, and the Chiefs. They were both idle, so they're two, uh, number two and three, respectively. The Patriots have moved up to number four. The Steelers losing against Denver in uh, up there in the Rocky Mountains, so that, was, that sets the Steelers back a little bit. I've got the Bears up at number five as they just continue to win. They continue to make that march toward the playoffs, so hats off to the Bears. I've got the Steelers down at number six. I've got the Chargers at number seven. The Chargers got back on track this week with a win. Meanwhile, you look at the bottom of the NFL. I've got the Cardinals, the Raiders, and the 49ers. They didn't disappoint. They all lost. They all played terrible. They still deserve to be at the bottom. Speaking of someone who should be at some bottom list, uh, Jaguars defensive back Jalen Ramsey is in the running for Moron of the Year when it comes to people in sports because he ran his mouth all offseason, all preseason. He was running his mouth about so many different things, and he has gotten proven wrong at every step of the way so far this season. You look at what happened. I mean, the big one happened this week where he just went out and never seen the guy play besides in preseason and in scrimmages. The Bills rookie quarterback Josh Allen uh, was called, he called him trash in a GQ article in August, saying, you know, who has he played from Wyoming and all this other stuff. Just running his mouth again. And he got. Just smacked around a little bit as the Bills beat the Jaguars 24-21. And that's seven straight losses, by the way, for the Jaguars, who a lot of people thought were going to be a team to beat in the AFC, especially after they beat the Patriots earlier this season. And, you know, again, Allen didn't have the best day. He was 8 of 19 passing, but he did throw a 75-yard touchdown pass early in that game. That was part of those passing yards that he had but he had 99 yards rushing and of course Allen still stands by or not Allen Ramsey rather still stands by that Allen is still trash even though his team beat him by saying well he beat us with his legs he still beats you you idiot so you know by the way he runs his mouth the Jaguars haven't accomplished anything they've been a terrible franchise for a long long time yes they made the AFC championship game last season but guess what they still lost. They haven't won anything. Never been to a Super Bowl. So stop running your mouth so much and win something first. Then you can run your mouth a lot more. But until then, nothing. You're not even worth anything at this point. Worthwhile talking. You, I take nothing you say at face value. It's it's terrible. And just stop talking. Be quiet. Win some games. You've lost 7 straight this season. So shut up, win some games, help your team out that way, then worry about everybody else, okay? Be quiet. Bye bye Thank you. Come again. Speaking of terrible people, again, as this Michigan State stuff with the Larry Nassar scandal just gets deeper and deeper, the uh, former president of Michigan State has been charged with lying to police. Investigators believe the former Michigan State University president, Lou Anna K. Simon- Lied to law enforcement officers during their investigation into how the school handled complaints about disgraced former Dr. Larry Nasser. Disgraced former doctor is a light way to put it, really. Um, Simon was charged this past Tuesday with two felony counts and two misdemeanor counts of lying to the Michigan State Police. Crimes that could land her in prison for a maximum of four years if she is convicted. Uh, She served as university president for 13 years before resigning under pressure the day Nasser was sentenced to up to 175 years in prison. Of course, you saw some of the Michigan State uh, accusers trying to, you know, talk to her and get her to, you know, say this was terrible and just, just not listening, just giving them lip service. It was just terrible all around. She definitely needed to not be president at Michigan State anymore. That's for sure. We'll see. What happens if anything does come of this? Of course, we will re- report this here on the Modern Day Gladiators podcast. We'll just kind of see what happens. Uh, you know, some of the people coming out. Lindsey Lemke, a former Michigan State gymnastics captain and survivor of Nasser's abuse, said the charges against Simon are another stepping stone toward holding accountable all of the people who enabled Nasser. Uh, and She's quoted saying, Luanna Simon's arrest comes as no surprise to me. It has been very clear that she has always tried to hide from this situation and only protect herself, and now we know why. So we'll see again as the legal process, Again, this will be long. I'm sure with an administrator like this, it's not going to be a conviction or anything that happens overnight. So stay tuned, of course, here to the Modern Day Gladiators podcast as we will talk about all of that as it goes along. In the world of golf. Phil Mickelson beat Tiger Woods on the 22nd playoff hole to win the $9 million match that they had on pay-per-view, which ended up not being pay-per-view because they, uh, Turner and Bleacher Report, they released it for free because of the technical difficulties they were having and offered refunds, so that went away. But Phil Mickelson does get the win over Tiger. Again, I would have been way more interested if this match had happened 15 years ago, back, again, when they were really... In- competition for majors and different things like that again tiger i'm glad he's back and winning and phil still winning tournaments but they're not again just the high-flying people that they were 15 years ago when the rivalry was really at its peak uh and also they had side bets and different things that were happening there uh tiger uh lost six hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollars in side bets that side bets will go to charity so that'll be really interesting See and fun again. This was a fun thing, but again, I was just not. I had other things I was wanting to do during Thanksgiving break than watching this uh golf match. But good for everybody who did watch it. It seemed to be again, you go to 22 playoff holes, it was back and forth. That was wonderful to see. And congratulations to Phil Mickelson on winning it. Something he has been able to win over Tiger Woods over the years because Phil's not going to catch him on majors by any means, but this is something he can at least hold over. Tiger Woods for the rest of their careers. Uh, Former UFC champions Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell uh, met in the first ever Golden Boy Promotions MMA card over the weekend, and Tito Ortiz finally, on his third attempt, knocks out Chuck Liddell in that one. And then Tito Ortiz has now retired from MMA. So, congratulations to him and moving on with his career. And uh, with everything that he does, I always thought he would be a great fit with the WWE in some capacity there. So that would have been interesting to see, but uh, definitely too old to really become a wrestler, but maybe a manager something like that would be interesting to talk about. You talk about craziness though and insanity. Let's take a look at soccer happening in South America. Uh, the Copa Liberatore's final. This is essentially the UEFA Champions League of South America. When you get the best Uh, club teams competing in this one Uh, it has been postponed indefinitely as they were ready for the second uh, leg of the home and home match between uh, Boca Juniors and River Plate two huge rivals in Argentina when it comes to soccer you talk about Auburn, Alabama Army, Navy, Duke, North Carolina Yankees, Red Sox any of those big rivalries this goes far beyond that Their fans, insane. They have postponed the second leg of the final indefinitely because uh, River Plate fans threw rocks and broke windows on the Boca Juniors team bus as the bus headed toward the stadium. Uh, Tear gas had to be administered by police, and that harmed some of the players there. This has just been a rivalry. When you look at it, they've made rules. This is how crazy, and I'm not saying crazy good in any of this, because of the way these fans behave. This is not fandom. This is insanity at this point. They don't allow opposing fans into each other's stadiums for safety of those fans. That's what they're worried about in this one. They had one of the matches in the same competition a few years ago had to be uh, stopped because at halftime, uh, Boca Juniors fans attacked the River Plate uh, players with tear gas as they came out for uh, the second half. So again, this is way beyond fandom at this point, and it's nuts, and again, it's one of these things that when you look at, and again, I love rivalries, and I love, I love hating Alabama, but I'm not gonna tear gas people, and I'm not gonna do all this craziness. I mean, you look at what the the waste of food did when he poisoned the trees the crazy Alabama fan when he poisoned the trees at Auburn that's taking it up you know to a level that's just stupid and pointless and you need a lot more going on in your life than that but this was just by far A step above that in terms of just insanity. With throwing rocks and everything, I mean, you just need to look up. There's a whole list of craziness that European soccer fans, European, South American soccer fans have done to each other over the years, but this is just one in a long line of it. They are probably going to, what they're going to do is the punishment is probably they're going to play this game in front of no fans. They're just going to play it in the stadium and there will be no fans in there. Because again, the fans that do this, they're not fans. They're insane. They have nothing else going on in their lives, and they're just deciding with violence against players for playing a game. In reality, I love talking sports and breaking all this stuff down for you fine people, and I think I'm pretty damn good at it. But when you look at it here, and I love my Vols, I love my 49ers, my Orioles, love all of them. Big fan but it's not worth throwing rocks and tear gas and all this other craziness going on and people getting killed over a game. It's not worth it, guys, and it's just something I wish that they would all learn, but it's going to take just a complete change in culture, apparently, down there to get these guys to realize that it's not worth it at all to be that just rabid and insane a group of fans, so... But that's going to wrap up Shibbles and Bits. Thank you, guys, for listening to that. Let's head real quick to wrestling here. Uh, nothing really new and big on the wrestling front as we move toward TLC, the last pay-per-view of the year. Though, one of the things did happen. The WWE brought it back last year around Thanksgiving, and they did it again. This was the second annual Starcade event that the WWE has hosted. Starcade, of course, was the big end-of-the-year pay-per-view closed circuit extravaganza that the NWA had and then became WCW. Of course Rick Flair and Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors and the Rock and Roll Express, you name it the NWO by the end of it Roddy Roddy Piper at some point. all these guys involved in these classic, matches there the wwe has brought the name back but they've pretty much been both last year and this year glorified house shows they're special events and there's some special things rick flair of course has made appearances you know some of the horsemen have shown up as well besides rick flair but they're still really glorified house shows they televised an hour-long version of uh the Starcade event Uh, It was like a three-hour show they had in Cincinnati over the weekend, but they televised an hour of it on the WWE Network. Uh, The big match, of course, was AJ Styles beating Samoa Joe in a cage. Uh, You had an impromptu, looked like almost a Coliseum main event, uh, home video release where The Miz and Shinsuke Nakamura were defeated by Rey Mysterio and Rusev. Uh, you had a four women's tag match. He had some other things. One of the ones that was not televised was uh, Charlotte defeating Asuka in a really good match. Apparently, that was the best match on the card, according to a lot of people. Uh, the big news, though, was the return of Bray Wyatt. He showed up at the show that was not televised on the network, so I don't know if they're saving it for Raw. We'll have to see Is that is um, recording this one before Raw this week because I have some other things going on. We'll see. Again, it's cool to have the name back, but I wish they'd add a little bit more to it. I would wish they'd just air the whole special on the WWE Network and maybe make it just a little bit better than just a glorified house show, or I'm sorry, live event, as they say now. But still cool to have the name back. It made me go uh, turn on the WWE Network, watch it, but then I also kicked on and watched uh, Starcade 85, and because I had never seen the I Quit Cage match between Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA, which was amazing. I can't believe I'd never seen that. Blood and just stuff, just amazing. Amazing match between both of them. Essentially, Magnum TA taking a piece of a broken wooden chair and shoving it into the forehead of Tully Blanchard, Tully Blanchard screaming, Yes, I quit really really loud. It was that the, the heat in that building was amazing. You talk about fan reactions, how crazy the fans were. That was nuts just hearing them scream all match long. So, this Starcade pretty much a shell of what Starcade back in the day was, but still cool to see the name there and involved with the WWE in some capacity. But that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Modern Day Gladiators podcast. Thank you guys again for listening here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. I have been Michael Shibley as always too sweet I love you I'll see you next time